Hello and welcome to The Katie Helper Show. This week's Patreon-only episode of The Katie Helper Show is incredibly important, so I'm releasing a clip of it so that everyone can hear it. And of course, to hear the rest of it, you can become Patreon supporters of The Katie Helper Show at patreon.com slash The Katie Helper Show. Again, that's patreon.com slash The Katie Helper Show. On this episode, I speak to Gabor Mate, a renowned speaker and best-selling author who focuses on addiction, stress, childhood development, and trauma. Gabor Mate was awarded the Order of Canada in 2018. He's the author of several books, including Scattered Minds, A New Look at the Origins and Healing of Attention Deficit Disorder, When the Body Says No, The Cost of Hidden Stress, In the Realm of Hungry Ghosts, Close Encounters with Addiction. He's also the author of the forthcoming book, The Myth of Normal, Trauma, Illness, and Healing in a Toxic Culture, which he co-wrote with his son, Daniel Mate, and that comes out in September. He is also a co-developer of the Therapeutic Approach Compassionate Inquiry, now studied by hundreds of therapists, physicians, counselors, and others internationally. But on this interview, Gabor talks to me about the Israeli occupation and how his own experience as a Holocaust survivor made him a defender of Palestinian rights and critic of Israel. Make sure to subscribe to the Patreon to hear Gabor discuss how he was a Zionist, how he fell out of love with Zionism, his first time in Israel and Palestine, and more. This interview was recorded in May of 2021. Gabor spoke to me from his home in Vancouver, Canada. As people remember, between May 10th and May 21st, 256 Palestinians, including 66 children and 40 women, were killed by Israeli forces in Gaza. Almost 2,000 others were injured. In the West Bank, 26 Palestinians were killed and about 6,900 were injured. And in Israel, 13 people were killed, including two children and six women. you? I'm very well, thank you. And it's nice to be with you, Katie. Yeah, you too. So thank you so much, Gabor Mate. So excited to talk to you. So honored to talk to you. You're such a valuable voice on so many subjects. And on this one, you have a really unique, important perspective. And so I'm going to be asking you about the situation in Israel. Actually, before we get into that, can you talk about your own experience as a Holocaust survivor? I did survive the Holocaust. I was born in January 1944 in Budapest, and I was two months old when the Wehrmacht, the German army, occupied Hungary. Hungary, having been an ally of Germany, was going to drop out of the alliance, seeing which way the wind was blowing, and the Germans then militarily occupied the country. And Hungarian Jews, until that point, had been spared the genocide. They were discriminated against. My father was in forced labor with the Hungarian army. But there was not the genocidal uh, deportations, which then were about to begin once the Germans came in. So I spent my first year under German occupation. And it was really sort of one of those vagaries of history that my mother, my mother and I weren't ourselves deported. Just the way it happened. I'm not going to go into the exact historical details, but the point is we survived under Nazism and then under a very fascist anti-Semitic regime which again started killing Jews in the fall of 1944, when half a million Hungarian Jews had been already deported and killed in Auschwitz, including my grandparents. And can you talk about what your mother did to protect you? Well, you can imagine. Here's a story. She, she After her parents were deported, 
her breast milk dried up. But Jews couldn't leave their homes until a certain time of the day. And because there was no refrigeration in Hungary in the summertime, by the time she got to the stores, the milk was already being spoiled. And then we had to move into the ghetto, where the conditions were awful. At some point, for a few days, we lived in a nominally Swiss-protected home, where there were a thousand people living in a building where there might have been comfortable room for 50 or 60. And she finally ended up giving me to a stranger in the street, a Christian woman, begging her to take me to some relatives who were in relative safety. So I didn't see her for five or six weeks until the Russians finally liberated the city from the Germans. So that was my first year of life. And, and I was sick, the dysentery, I was ill. It was a close call. How old was your mother when she had you? Okay, let's do some figure. Born in 1919, she was 25. She was not yet 25. And at that point when she got pregnant, there was no occupation? At the time she was pregnant, Hungary was already in the war. The Jewish men were in forced labor. Many of them were taken to Russia with the Hungarian army, where the Hungarian army got wiped out, but disproportionately Jewish men were killed under horrible conditions. So my father was in forced labor all throughout her pregnancy. It was an anti-Semitic, pro-Nazi, allied regime that we lived under, and that's how she was pregnant. She, I've done a lot of research recently on the impact of maternal stress during pregnancy and infants. My mother had jaundice of pregnancy, which is totally stress-related disease. So already in the uterus, I would have got the messages of stress and trauma. I don't know if you know this and you don't have to share this, but did you ask her, like, do you know if she intentionally became pregnant, if she wanted to have a child, if she was conflicted and ambivalent about it, given the circumstances? I don't believe that under the circumstances with my father in forced labor, they would have deliberately chosen to have a child. As a matter of fact, I happen to know that at other times my mother had abortions. Now, I don't, I don't know for sure, but... Even if she wanted the pregnancy, there must have been tremendous fear inside her. Of course. Her stress all throughout that time. And around my birth, death of her parents, her sister was deported to Auschwitz. My father being in forced labor, she didn't know if he was dead or alive for a long time. Those are the circumstances. So she sees a woman on the street? How does she decide? She doesn't decide. She decides that I can't survive another day in that house. And she doesn't know where she do, whether she'll survive or not. Because the Hungarian fascists were coming to the house and taking Jews down to the Danube and shooting them into the river. So she doesn't know. She sees the Christian woman and says, would you please take this baby? That's what happened. Wow. Did you ever track the Christian woman down? No, but there was a story I read recently in a family history written by a cousin of mine, an elder cousin with whom this Christian woman took me to their place. And I was so sick. And my cousin's father took his life into his hands to find a Christian doctor to come and see this baby. And this Christian woman comes and examines me. They thought I might have tuberculosis. And she examines me. She finds I don't have TB, but I did have severe bronchitis. She gives me medicine. And my cousin said, 
that when I question them on a ride at my house, at their house with me, she'd never seen just terror and fear in a human being as she saw in my eyes. Now this doc, this Christian doctor says to me, after she examines me, she says, my little son, don't worry, you will repay their kindness later on. Wow. And so, so I'm telling you, from my perspective, talking about the Palestinian issue is one way of repaying the kindness. Mm. Can you elaborate on that? Yes, because the the lesson of the genocide, the never again, is not a tribal slogan the way I understand it. It has to be about how human beings treat other human beings. Now, some of my Jewish co-religionists or... or Co-ethnics, cultural... Whatever you want to call it. Yeah. It's like, you're never going to do this to us again. But that's not what it means to me. To me, it means that human beings will not act that way again anymore. And it's not a question of drawing analogies. Nothing can compare it to the genocide and its horror and its deliberate, mechanized, murderous insanity. But, you know, Edith Egger, who's a psychotherapist who went to Auschwitz on the same train as my grandparents as a teenager, and she survived. And she's become a famous psychotherapist and author. And she's 92 now, or 93. And she's still writing books. Wow. She says in one of her books that there's a Hitler in all of us. Mm. You don't have to be German to have a Hitler inside you. And being Jewish doesn't spare you from having Hitler inside you. And by Hitler, I don't mean all the things that he did. I'm talking about prejudice. I'm talking about insanity. I'm talking about hatred. I'm talking about racial hostility. I'm talking about cruelty, and that's that capacity, just as the capacity for love and connection and compassion is in every human being. It's a question of which part of us do we identify with. In other words, how afraid we are, because it all has to do with fear. Does she decide who to give it to? Is it random? Do you know? I don't know if you know any of these things. I stood on the same spot in the sidewalk where she gave me to uh, the stranger when I visited Budapest. The house is still there. She just went out in the street and saw this woman and says, will you please take this baby? There's nobody to choose. She just looked nice or she was just there or? She was there and she was not Jewish so she could leave, so she could leave that area. Wow. And so, okay, so she brings you then to your other relatives who are in relatively safer. Yeah, because my uncle had a job in a bakery that To hear the full interview with Gabor Mate, including his discussion about how he became a Zionist, how he stopped being a Zionist, his first time in Israel, his first time in Palestine, and more, please become Patreon supporters at patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. Again, that's patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. And please rate and review the show on iTunes. <laughs>